Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In today's lesson, we will learn how to invest in horses and how better understanding ROI will help you spot opportunities that you otherwise would probably miss. <laughs> hey, hey, what is going on, my fellow and future millionaires? Welcome to another episode of the Millionaire University Podcast. In today's lesson, we are going to learn about horse investing. What? Yes, you heard that right. I just bought a horse and I'm super pumped. Her official name is Stand Up For Glory, but we call her Fergie for short, and she is awesome. And the coolest part is, is I don't have to feed this horse or take care of this horse or clean up its poop or anything. In fact, I know nothing about horses. Um, excuse me, Professor Williams, excuse me. Yes, child. Um, if you know nothing about horses, then why would you buy a horse? What an excellent question, my child. Gather round, my children, and I will tell you the story of Fergie, the future fastest quarter horse in America. It all began a couple of months ago when my sister-in-law, Janelle, called me up. What's up, Justin? So I got these kids. They're like eating me out of house and home. I need to make some extra cheddar, you know? You got anything for me? Janelle had heard the legends of Mr. Make It Rain Williams, and if there was anyone that would know how she could get some extra dough, it would be him. It just so happened that at the same time of Janelle's phone call, Mr. Williams was looking for some more millionaire mentors to join him on his new hit podcast, Millionaire University. So Janelle immediately started reaching out to other millionaire makers in search for the perfect match to help take the Millionaire University students and their bank accounts to the next level. The problem is Janelle was too good at her job and within one to two weeks, Professor Williams had more millionaire makers knocking down his door than he knew what to do with. Janelle was so good that she worked herself out of a job. During a couple of his interviews, Williams was having some connectivity issues with his Wi-Fi. Techie Tech Pants Tara came to the rescue once again and helped Mr. Money Man Making Williams hardwire the computer in his closet, AKA the studio, so that the millionaire maker mentor interviews could reconvene once again. Professor Williams wanted to test his connection and he knew just the person to call. He knew a while ago that Janelle started a side business that had something to do with horses, but he had no clue really what it was all about. Mr. Opportunity Spotting Money-Making Williams was incredibly intrigued with Janelle's horse business. And it wasn't until after the call that it hit him, the record button was left on the entire time. How is your business going? I'm getting busier and busier. For the horse stuff, but it's never going to totally support a household. But it's running on its own. I am getting busier and busier. And so that's cool. I need to hire some different people because I'm frustrated with some people. But other than that. Tell me more. I haven't 
fully grasp what you do in your business. Have you gone on the Instagram and Facebook? Even though I have social media that I publish, I very rarely go on. But yeah, I'll go check it out. I have my one trainer doing it. Look up rain equine riding, but like rain, like a queen's rain. Okay. Rain equine. And then make sure you put riding because the other one's a dead site. But look up rain equine riding on Instagram, Facebook, and all that that pops up on there. It's lessons mostly. And then we'll take kids to shows. I'll have the kids from LA come in that the police department brings in Operation Progress kids. And they'll do like weeks of 10 where they come every Saturday and they do cool stuff. And then... I don't know. It's basically a riding program. So I own the horses and I basically lease out that whole section. It's like 13 different stalls that take up the back of that facility. How many horses do you own? Did you say you? Five. But then I have the other, oh my gosh, how many, what's 13 minus five? 13 minus, (laughs) the other horses are. Seven or eight? Yeah, eight. So the other eight are horses that are in the program that I don't own, students own, but they ride in the program and I care for their horses or have us. And then we do lessons with them with their horses. So five of them I actually own. The other ones are student owned. So what do the numbers look like? At the moment, you have to do like 20 to 25 lessons a week to break even. And right now we're at like 40 to 50, depending on the week. So that's good. Okay. For a while, it was hard to break even. So I think it'll keep getting busier. So now you're profitable though. Yeah. I mean, lessons run anywhere from 75 an hour to 85 an hour. And they could stand to go up a tiny bit. I just don't want to raise them again just yet. And I pay the trainers 20 bucks an hour. That's cool. Mm -hmm. And do you, for the land, do you rent out the land? So basically I have to pay $750 a month as a trainer fee to the facility just to have a training program there. Okay. So 750 bucks a month to the facility to have that program. Then you have to pay per stall for horses, which for me is 575 a stall. So I've got five at 575. The rest of them, everybody who owns their own horse pays, but through me. So like I have to send in 8,000 something dollars tomorrow, but that's mine and theirs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Basically for me, you have to look at the cost of each horse, but call each horse about 650 to 700 a month, depending on what has to get done between their stall and their feed and stuff. And then the training fee. So that's why you have to look at it. There's a weird balance of needing another horse because you get so busy, but not wanting to have another one because then you're just adding an extra expense. So I'm kind of like on that. How much does a horse cost? It depends. It's less the cost of the horse and more like the moving forward. But most of the ones I have, I got between like three and five grand. Okay. Actually, all of them. Every horse I have currently, I got between three and five grand with the exception of Katniss that Tyler bought for Quinn. Katniss was 30 grand. Wow. Yeah. And that's cheap. The horses that beat her on average are 80 to $100,000 horses. Wow. They're stupid. Wow. So, but my all my other ones that are like my lesson horses and Quinn's first horse. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't even think any of them were five. I think they were between three and 45. Yeah. So, so it's more the ongoing expense. Yeah. That's pretty cool, though. Right now, it's working. Yep. And you just have to look at, like, how many, like, to get another horse, like, how many do they each have to be doing weekly to be worth their stall? How did you figure that out? I just have to sit and look at it. But you take, like, what, if they're five seventy five a month, they have to monthly minimally cover that. I say each horse has to minimally cover themselves at 700 a month with what they bring in. Yeah. Right? And as long as they do that and more they're not a loss. How many more horses could you fit? 
oh, as many as I wanted, I just have to ask for more stalls. So at the beginning, how do you get people interested in it? In the beginning, I just started with like the kids that moved over with us, like Quinn and her little friends and then a couple more. And then we started just word of mouth and trying to market a little. We've only just now started doing Instagram and Facebook stuff because I'm so bad at it. And then we just decided to start doing it. A lot of it was word of mouth. A lot of it was, I want to say mostly word of mouth and then putting up like stuff on Facebook, but just for lessons or whatever. And then because they like me the best at the ranch and there's only three training programs there. I think I'm liked the most because I'm just not a crazy horse person. I genuinely just like doing it and I'm not mean or insane, but there's only three of us and we're the only ones that do Western and English, not just one. We're actually the only ones that do English too there. So the facility owners, so like anybody calls the ranch line at the actual ranch, they forward them to me which a lot of them have come from there too. So they'll take the numbers of people just calling like, because it's an equestrian center. So anyone who just calls the equestrian center saying, I'm looking for riding lessons, they'll forward me the message that has the number on it. Mm. Did you have people that do bi-weekly, twice a week or once a week? or Most of my people buy a monthly package. So basically if you buy it in a package and you pay by the fifth right now, your lessons go down to 75 for the hour. If you just pay as you ride, it's 85. So most of mine ride a minimum of once a week. So most people are on a package. Okay. Because it's just a minimum of four in a month. If you happen to have five, you just pay for five kind of a thing. Tell me again, how many monthly lessons are you doing? And how many can you support right now? How many can I support? Probably a ton more. But I need another horse. So you would need another horse. I'll I'll invest in it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you want to invest in horses i'm telling you what i am gonna look for eventually I, i'll take you up on it if you're serious because it is a thing i want to wait till it's more profitable to be like sure it's something like to join in on because i only in the last year got this to where it's at least break even and profitable yeah the year prior it was a loss totally but you're profitable now now it's profitable yeah if it was losing money i wouldn't want to invest <laughs> no <laughs> No, but I mean, you're saying it's three to $5,000, the upfront cost. And then it's just kind of like, as long as you're getting... As long as you're covering the horse. I can't do the numbers in my head and, and you're on my calculator and my screen. Oh. <laughs> what, 700 a month divided by, even say it's just at 75, what's 700 divided by 75 would be... 9.3. I mean, it's close to 10, but... That's the thing. And then subtract out whatever times how much I have to pay the trainer per lesson, right? So times 55 or 700 divided by 55, right? Because that's all I can make if I'm paying 20 bucks to a trainer. 700 divided by 55, 12.7. So as long as that horse does 13 lessons a month, they break even. On average, I have a horse doing two a day. They should no matter what do that as long as the month stays decent. They go anywhere from one to three times a day. Oh. Except for Sundays, just not Sundays. Sounds like break even is easy. Yeah, it's not so bad now. It's easy if you have the demand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're getting more demand. You're getting busier. Mm-hmm. But now you need another horse. I'm right there where it's like that break point where you're like, ooh. Are you turning people away? No, but if I get even five more clients, I'm overworking my horses. If I get even five more that come once a week, then people are getting out too much, kind of. You don't want to overwork them. What considers overwork? What's the max a horse should do? Three in a day. But every day they shouldn't do three. How many should they do a month? 
it totally depends on what they're doing because they could be out there jumping and they could be doing crazy stuff or they could be trotting around with a little kid. So that kind of depends on so many factors. But on average, so there's, let's say, 30 days in a month, three would be 90. So you're saying that's overworking it. But do you think on average two per day, sometimes one, sometimes three? No, as long as like one's decent and one's not, and then they get a Sunday break. That's the thing because you give them a little off day for a day where they're not working so hard. So if they did two to three, six days a week, and then they had one day off. Yeah. So let's say like 2.5 times six, that's 15 per week times 4.3, because that's how many weeks in a month. So 64.5, we'll say 64, 65 lessons per month. Yeah. And each lesson makes 75 to 85. We'll, call, we'll say 75. We'll go on the lower end. I'm 75. So each horse each month, not including expenses, could make up to like $4,837.50. And, yeah. and 50 cents. <laughs> Don't forget. I should have subtracted $20 because that's what you pay the instructors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So each horse would make closer to 3000 a month. Yeah. After paying them. That's about right. And then there's things where like, you can also use certain horses for birthday parties, which when I showed up the other day for one hour, it was 300 bucks for one horse out. It depends. There's random stuff or taking them to a show. I charge the kids for a horse that they take. There's different things, but mostly is lessons. I don't know. It sounds pretty interesting to me. I'll invest in a horse. I'll buy a couple. You'll buy a couple horses? (laughs) cool thing to own man (laughs) so wait tell me again the people that have the keep the horses with you how does that work again they just board under me so they instead of boarding straight through the facility they pay me their board and it gets i pay through me because i get a discount for having so many and for having the training program there okay and do they use their horses for the training program or no i don't use their horses for lessons i only use their horses for their lessons gotcha how much do they pay you for boarding they pay me 600 And how much do you pay? 575 I don't try and profit off of the difference. I just split the difference with them. I get a discount. So the board should be 625 Gotcha. Yeah. But I get to pay 575 I make them pay 600 So you're making 25 bucks a month, which I guess adds up. Something else I didn't pick up on until listening to this recording later on is the fact that Janelle is also getting paid for the lessons that these kids are taking at the facility, which helped me understand why she's willing to have the horses stay there at such a low cost. It's just something for me, like be oversight on the horses every day. I was like, I deserve the extra 25 bucks to be like eyes on property. I mean, how much work do you have to do with the horses? Not very much, no. No, except for the ones, but I charge people. Like if I have to do their feed every day or fill hay bags or stuff like that, I'll charge $2 a day if I just have to dump feed in their bucket or something. Yeah. Or put a blanket on them. Right? It just depends. It depends on the person. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Don't don't be doing any charity work. This is a business. You're trying to make money to take care of your family. You don't need to. No, I know. Trust me. I've gotten better. You and Tyson have the same problem. It's it's a little different, but yes. (laughs) A little different. What I really want to look for, too, down the line, I want to find somebody who just needs a creative write-off and somehow get them to buy a baby horse for Quinn to train for barrel racing because she's already past the level of what she's doing now. How much would a baby horse be? They're more. The ones she keeps sending me, 
they're closer to 10 and you're talking about a baby that you're it's broke, but then you're training it and then you're putting it in futurities, which Quinn can't enter right now because Katniss is too old. What's that? Futurity is where you win like the bulk of the money because you can enter futurities or horses that are six and under. The horse would cost $10,000. No, five and under. And you can get them a little cheaper, but typically one like that that's papered and their bloodlines are good, so they're worth more and they you, you can enter them in futurities are about like eight to... 15, but like a couple she sent me recently or 10. So a baby horse, I'm trying to understand this. A baby horse is eight to 10,000, but then it has to grow up. Um, You basically then, if you want to get them around three or four, and then what you do is you're spending a year to prep them for their futurity year because you can only have one futurity year. Oh. You run them in that year as many times as you can and you make as much money as you can because you want their lifetime earnings to be massive so that you can resell them as then a derby horse whose lifetime earnings are already really high. Okay. Tell me how the numbers work. I would have to have Peyton do that because I've never done it. Okay. But for example, Peyton's been running a futurity horse. That's the one where a couple weekends ago she won 10 grand. This last weekend she was in Vegas and she's running it for a client, which is where my brain is going. So this one she's running for a client, the one I just did with her up here two weeks ago, she won almost 10 grand. And I think in Vegas, she just won almost eight grand. So how much does the client get? They split the profit. When she runs. Oh, I'll do it. I'm done. We're in. I'm done. We're in. <laughs> but for about a year, you're building the horse up for it. That's that fine. Sense. Figure out the number. Like, figure how it works. Uh -huh. Like that, I'm telling you, that's the exciting angle where I've been like, and then you can write off because you're an owner and I could technically tell people whatever. You can write off a lot of things by having this horse. You can already do it with what you do. I mean... I don't want to chip you guys, but... No, it doesn't. That's my whole angle, actually, for Quinn, is kind of, yes, it's good for to do what she's doing. She's already worked past it. Now it's just dialing in her and Katniss. But even Peyton was just saying, she's like, this is boring for her now. So this is where we're at. I've made some good investments, and I've made some bad investments. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be saying, as you're, like, watching her run live in Vegas... In two years from now or a year and a half, you'll be like, this was a bad investment. <laughs> no, You're no. watching sound well, like in the times. I'm thinking through it. I'm like, say, so when you say, I hear 10,000, but then there's taking care of the horse too, right? Well, there's like everything else in between, right? That you're doing. Now, it just depends on like how you work that out. Peyton just takes and runs that horse. And then other than that. Oh, I don't want to do anything. No, I know. But see, that's my fault because that's what I don't mind doing that with somebody because it's also doing something that Quinn needs to progress herself. Figure out what would make sense. And if the numbers feel like they would make sense, I would be super interested. I mean, it'd be cool. You guys can watch her and then you know you're winning money places. It is really fun. Like Totally. Especially when you're watching it like that. It's cool. Well, we'd love to come watch her anyway. We need to come. We want to come check it out. But even if we're not watching... And she's out winning and it's working well for her and you guys and us, then cool. But this isn't a huge investment. But when we sell our house, we are going to need to invest some money. And yeah, ideally, we're going to put in places where we get like a regular flat 10% return. But I'd put $10,000 in. That's somewhere you can win a ton of money. And regardless, if you realize the horse isn't going to be fast enough to where you think you might make enough in returns, you would have already bought it so cheap and put in enough that a horse like that. Okay, if I had bought Katniss two weeks later than when I bought her, she would be worth 10 grand more because Peyton took her and ran her and she ran two times faster, but she had already verbally agreed to sell her to me for what she did. So she honored it and she's really glad she did. It worked out. But you can very quickly, once you just take one of those horses, 
you sell them for a lot more, even if you didn't want to run it. They're not a loss, basically. We both flipped houses, right? Yeah. Like some you win some, you lose some, but it sounds to me like the chances of winning are bigger than the chances of losing. Yeah, you can do pretty darn well. Yeah. So yeah, we'll be the money partner. You guys do all the stuff with the horse or whatever and excellent. Oh, I'm not even kidding. If you really want to. It's I it would be cool. I'm not kidding either. Okay. Now if, if it was like a quarter million dollar investment, <laughs> I might be like, uh <laughs> No. That sounds a little too rich for my blood right now. I've already, like I said, I've already done enough dumb investment. Not, not, not that that would be dumb. I've already done enough things that I don't understand very well. Yeah. But I'm interested in that. That sounds fun. I'm serious. Yeah. Find out the details. Okay. Yeah. And then start looking around. Depending on the situation, like when we sell the house, we'll have. Yeah. Several million. <laughs> Several million. Not to invest in horses. But well. <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't want to put that all into horses, Justin? No, but let's do the futures thing. Yeah. And then if you feel like there's the demand, let's buy a couple. Uh, the little ones? The yeah, for the ones? business. The cheapies. <laughs> They're my angels. They're totally worth every penny. Totally. No, let's do it. And then you don't have to work for $30 an hour sending out emails to people to try to get interviews. I mean. That would be awesome. Because you do. This is what you love. I kind of like it. But yeah, it's awesome. I would haul Quinn around all day long to all these things if I could. Actually, I'm still debating going to Utah. Big money in Utah in the next month. Strawberry days, huh? It's in. There's like two back-to-back weekends of barrel races. Awesome. Like an hour and a half south of Lehigh. Nope, hour remember. and a half south. That must be like in the middle of nowhere, huh? It is. Oh, for sure it is. For sure. Oh, Selena. Oh, yeah. I never would have guessed. Yep, middle <laughs> somewhere. But yeah, it's like middle of nowhere out there. Let's do a few of the... Yeah, anyway. I'll buy some small horses. I'll buy the... I'm in. Let's go. All right. I cool. can't... I can, We could probably do a little bit right now, and then we could do a lot more and we sell our house. So. Okay, cool. <laughs> Very cool. Well, the good thing with them is I've never sold a horse and lost either. It's just how long you hang on to it. Because usually you've built it up to be better than it was. Let's do it. Let's go into business together. Excellent. A couple weeks later, Janelle found the perfect horse. Fergie, stand up for glory, Williams. The fastest future quarter horse in America. (laughs) All righty. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that story as much as I did. So let's break down a little more of what happened on this call with Janelle and the opportunities that I spotted, how I spotted them. I'll get you inside of my brain. I'll help you understand a little bit more about ROI and how you can go about spotting these opportunities yourself. So what I was hearing from Janelle is essentially there were two different opportunities here. Opportunity A, the cheapies. Okay, if you're a horse person, I'm totally kidding. But these are the horses that she uses to give lessons to her training students. The cost of one of these horses was three to $5,000. Later on, she said it was more like three to $4,500. So let's say $4,000 just to make it easy. Then the cost of the stall plus taking care of the horse, food, etc., 
was anywhere from $650 to $700. But we'll go with $700 to keep things conservative. And so we have an actual solid number to work with. Then Janelle said the cost of each lesson was $85 or $75 if they paid on an ongoing regular basis. So once again, to be conservative, let's go with $75 per lesson minus $20 to the trainer per lesson. So that gives us a grand total of $55 per lesson. Lesson. Then Janelle helped us understand that each month, each horse can run roughly about 65 lessons safely. But once again, to be conservative, let's go with 60 lessons per month per horse. So if you take 60 lessons per month and you multiply it times $55, that's a total of $3,300. Now, I figured there could be some other expenses. I know Janelle mentioned a $750 per month entire payment for the entire facility. So maybe we're covering our portion of that. Maybe there's some vet bills in there. Maybe some months are slower than others. So I decided to bump down the total monthly income per horse to $2,700. I also did this because it helps make the numbers really easy. So if you take $2,700, which is the total income brought in per horse, and then you subtract the $700, which is the cost of the stall and taking care of the horse, you end up with a net income of about $2,000 per month per horse which just right off the bat, I could tell was an absolutely insane number because I mean, I used to buy houses for like a hundred thousand dollars, let's say, and I would be stoked to walk away with a few hundred dollars in profit each month, if that. So to take a $4,000 investment and walk away with a couple thousand dollars each month, I mean, that's absolutely insane. So I intentionally, once again, made the numbers pretty easy on this, but let's just go through it so you better understand ROI and how I would go about structuring a deal like this. So when you're calculating ROI, you wanna do it in a couple of different ways. First off, you wanna come up with your monthly ROI. How much return on your total investment will you get each month? Now, a little side note that I forgot to mention is I always calculate the return that the money can make on the deal before structuring the deal because it helps give you a better idea of what you're looking at. So you know what different considerations you can take into account. Now with this investment, once again, I wanna be clear, it's really important to make sure that the demand is there. Obviously, if the demand is not there, then you're not gonna make these kinds of numbers, right? But we were conservative, but once again, assuming there's at least like a pretty decent demand. Okay, back to the calculations. So if you are investing $4,000 and you're making $2,000 back each month, which I, once again is insane, right? But once again, that's why I saw such a big opportunity here. So, okay, let's continue. So $4,000 invested to get back $2,000 per month, that's a 50% monthly return on your total upfront capital invested. Crazy, right? So then you take the 50% per month and you multiply that by months in a year, which hopefully we all know is 12. So 50 times 12 is 600 or 600% for the year, also known as or referred to as a 600% annualized return. What? 
And as you may or may not know, usually when you're talking about return on investment or what kind of return are you getting, you're referring to an annualized return. And average annualized returns that most people look for are anywhere from six, seven, eight, 10%, sometimes 12%, but th that's like the high end. I mean, there's a lot of people who are stoked to put their money in a CD or something that's only earning two to 3%. So to look at this and see a possible like 600% annualized return, I mean, no brainer all day long, in my opinion. So how would I go about structuring a deal like this? I mean, there's all kinds of different ways and it depends on if you're the one who has the opportunity or you're the one looking for opportunities, you're the one spotting opportunities. So what is an absolute no brainer to me is if Janelle approached me, for example, and if she was like, hey, I think I can create the demand. Do you wanna be the one who buys the horses and pays for their monthly costs? We'll do the training and the scheduling and all that. And we'll split the profit with you from any of the horses that you own or paid for or however you wanna work that out. See, that to me is a huge win-win because on my money with the numbers that we came up with, I would be getting maybe in the ballpark of about 300% annualized return. For Janelle's part, it's probably a no-brainer because she's out there training anyway and she's able to get a 300% annualized return on my money while risking nothing but giving a little bit of her time, which won't be too much of her time assuming that she has people that want the lessons anyway. Now, other ways you can look at opportunities like this, and I'll give an example. There was one time where I was talking to this guy who had a business where he did like grass-fed cows and chickens and stuff like that, and he wanted to expand his business, but he just didn't have the capital to do it. So I ran the numbers with him. I said, okay, how much does it cost to buy a cow? What's the cost of taking care of it, how long does that take until you are able to sell the cow? What can you sell it for? And we ran the numbers and it was kind of maybe not quite as high as what we're talking about here, but pretty similar numbers in that the ROI was absolutely insane. And so I said to him, I said, hey, you can either go to someone and they can give you the money and then you guys can split the profit. And I said, I would be happy to do that if you want, by the way. And I said, or you can find someone that you know and you know, knowing that you're going to be making like, you know, 100, 200% annualized return on whatever capital is invested, you can offer to pay them like 10% on their money. Now, I want to be clear here. I'm not an attorney. Like there are certain rules over like raising money and stuff, but he just had like a close friend or family that was willing to lend him money at 10%. They were stoked. He was stoked. They came up with an agreement and they lent him money at 10% and he grew his business. So yeah, I joked around that he was flipping cows and flipping chickens and getting an insane return. It was also after understanding ROI and annualized return on investment and overall monthly, you know, monthly return on investment and these kinds of things that it's no coincidence that the year after that is when Tara and I started flipping tons of houses. We went from like making $50,000 one year to making high six figures one year and then flipping over a hundred houses the following year and making our first seven figure income. Because essentially what I was able to do is I recognized that we were making about 15% per house, right? Now I'm not talking monthly. I'm talking about one-time investment here. This is another way to calculate it. Our one-time investment on each house that we did, including the cost of the house and the cost of repairs, et cetera, when you included all the expenses, all the money expenses, 
we were making about 15 to like 20% return. This was in the good old days. Now the numbers are a little bit lower. But we were making like 15 to 20% return. And then it was taking us about four months to turn each house. So essentially we were doing that three times per year. So if we did that in four months, then our annualized return, you multiply that by three, because if it took four months and there's 12 months in a year, that means you could turn that same money three times in the year. So the velocity of your money or the annualized return on your money would be the 15 to 20% one-time return multiplied times three, because that's how often we could turn that money per year. So 15 to 20 times three is 45 to 60%. So we were making 45 to 60% annualized on these houses. And I was easily able to go to any investor and show them and say, hey, if you put up all the money, we will do all the work and then we can split the profit. So these investors were able to see, oh wow, I can make like 20 to 30% on my money annualized. And they were stoked about that. And I essentially had an unlimited amount of money that I could go out and buy these houses with. So I was stoked. I was making an insane return on their investment with little to no risk to me. They were stoked because they were making a huge return on their money as well. So it was a big win-win. Recently, I have been investing in land. I'm not the one going out and finding the land or selling it, but I am investing with someone else who's flipping land and I put up the money. They give me half of the profit and the returns that we've been making are absolutely insane so far. I mean, those are the numbers that I got up front from this person that I'm investing with and come to find out that's kind of what they're looking like. So back to Fergie the fastest future horse of America, this horse that I recently bought with Janelle, what we decided to do was I said, look, I don't actually want to like own, own the horse. I don't know how to take care of a horse. I don't like if it hurts someone or something happens. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to be responsible. You take care of the horse. Essentially, it'll be your horse, but I'll essentially have what we call in real estate, like a first deed of trust on this horse or a mortgage, depending on what state you're in. And what we'll do is we'll split the profit that comes from selling the horse when we go to sell it. We were kind of talking about the money it could make during races and all that, but I just wanted to keep it really simple. I want to know exactly what I was investing and she's family and I want Quinn, my niece, to be able to have this horse. So for us, it's a huge opportunity to be able to support someone that we love and care about and want to see have the opportunity to get this horse. She's doing awesome in barrel racing and we just wanted her to be able to have this horse. So for us, it was a great opportunity to let her get this horse, but also for us to have a chance to make a good return on the money. Because what I found is I love using money to help people, but once you spend the money, it's gone. But if you can use the money, get a return on that money, then the money replenishes itself and then you can keep helping more people, keep doing cool things. And it's just freaking awesome. So in the case of Fergie, essentially in a nutshell, this is what we're going to do. Now, when Janelle listens to this, she might say like, oh, you totally botched it. But this is like the best of my understanding without going through tons of notes and recollecting everything. Essentially, Tara and I are in $12,000 for the horse. It costs $7,500 up front. And then there's some like upfront medical vet bills and stuff like that. And then we're covering the first several months of taking care of the horse, feeding, all that stuff. So our agreement essentially was we will cover the cost of the horse, some of the first few months, some of the upfront costs, which allows her to be able to get the horse. And then she'll cover the ongoing costs from there. Quinn will train it, ride it, get it broken in. And then in about like a year, year and a few months, it'll begin its futurity year. 
we decided to do each of the races separately. I mean, I could have worked out a whole deal or maybe I would have made more money or whatever, but I was like, let's just do each race by race and we'll either pay for the cost and pay for some of the expenses and then we'll split the profit or you can cover it and then you don't have to give us anything. And it was just kind of an easy way to kind of get this deal done. But essentially she trains the horse, she runs the horse, they take care of it from here on out. And then based on that, essentially the horse is worth more value because it'll be trained, it'll have hopefully gotten some good times. And then in like two and a half, maybe three years, we can choose to sell the horse or I don't know what the next thing is, but essentially, if we sell the horse from there, I mean, it could be worth 20, 25, $30,000 or, or something like that. Now these numbers aren't quite as big as the numbers I was talking about, right? Like the 600% annualized return, but still just for fun, let's come up with a couple different scenarios. So we're into the horse for $12,000. Let's say that we sell her in three years for $30,000. First, we'd get back our $12,000 investment. Janelle would get back some of the expenses that she put into it, which let's say to make numbers easy was a $6,000 amount. That would leave $12,000 profit that we would split. So we'd each get $6,000. So if we got $6,000 off of a $12,000 investment, our one-time return in this case would be 50%. Now, in this case, to calculate the annualized return, we would need to divide by three versus multiply because it took three years instead of like four months. Hopefully that makes sense. So a 50% one-time return divided by three for three years would give us a 16.6 .6 annualized return on our investment. Now there's a chance that we could sell the horse for two to three times as much, which would essentially double or triple our investment to 32% or what's 16 times three. Oh, duh, that puts us back at the 50% annualized return. So there's all kinds of cool stuff that could happen. Now there's always the off chance that we make a lower return too, but I just feel like the odds of us doing pretty well on this deal are pretty good. But for us, more importantly, it was once again, the opportunity to see Quinn be able to get this new horse and be able to live up to her potential as a rider. And it just sounded cool to be able to say that I own a horse. Okay, kind of. Anyway, I hope that makes sense, guys. I'm trying to keep this as simple as possible, but this is something that I have been geeking out on for years. Once again, understanding this, understanding ROI, return on investment, understanding the monthly return on investment, understanding the one-time return on investment, understanding the annualized return on investment will allow you to spot and recognize so many opportunities that you maybe wouldn't have spotted or recognized otherwise. It'll allow you to make incredible deals with other people, whether you're the one who's looking for an investor or some investment capital, or maybe you're investing your own capital, or maybe you get to the point like us when you start to want to invest your capital with other people. Once again, this is just to give you a conceptualization of what is possible. I'm not an attorney. Be safe with your money. Obviously, some of these investments come with a higher risk involved. It depends on the performance of the person. 
Don't ever invest money that you're not okay with losing, especially with some of the things that I'm talking about. Okay, disclaimers are over, but regardless, understanding the things that I'm talking about are huge. So please reach out to me and let me know what you thought of this episode. If you got it, if you didn't get it, if you have any questions, because this is something that I want to keep talking about to help you see and have more opportunities moving forward in your business. Now, something else that you also want to take into consideration is return on time invested. In our next episode, I'll be talking with James, who's a guy that has a baby on the way in six months. His first child is going to be here and he wants to change his circumstances, his living conditions with him and his girlfriend to provide a better life for this baby but we were talking about some of these things and we were talking about ROI, but some of the things that he was doing, he didn't take into consideration his own time. So you also need to account for ROTI, which stands for return on time invested. So anyway, that's something that we'll get into a little more in the upcoming episode and future episodes. But other than that, I hope you have a great day. Have a great week. Take action where it counts. You can do this. It's not that difficult. I was listening to a podcast the other day and it said something that really resonated with me, which was essentially nothing in life is really hard. Like making money, running a business is not that hard. It's just a matter of understanding the steps, the things, the processes that we need to put into place to get the results that we want to get. And then it's taking action on those things. Like for an engineer or someone who like builds bridges or whatever really smart people do, doing those things is not that hard because they know the steps to do them. They know the process that they have to do them. It's just a matter of going through those steps and completing the things that they have to do. Your life, your business is no different. What is the thing that you are currently doing or the thing that you could be doing? What are your goals? Where do you want to get? Have a focus, create a simple plan, and then start executing on it. And then you'll get the feedback. Then you'll get the information. Then you'll know what went well, what didn't go well, and you can adjust and adapt as you go. And as you do that, you eventually start to get traction. You start to know, oh, this is working over here. Every time I make this many calls or do this many things or spend this much money on this thing, I'm getting a result or a return of X, Y, or Z. And that's getting me to a profitable solution. And then you keep doing more of that and it just gets really fun. All right. Well, that is all we have for today. If you like this episode, please share with a friend. Go to millionaireuniversity.com slash training to get our free business training course. If you have not yet left us a rating and review, that would mean the world to us. And we will talk to you next time on the Millionaire University podcast. Class dismissed.